So my Super Bowl prediction was a little off, huh? Um, I actually was sort of right. Well, I was right and wrong, and I'll tell you why. Because I predicted that the Bucks would win, and I think my score was 31-27. I think the Bucks actually got 31 points. Just the Chiefs only scored three, which I was extremely shocked about. Chiefs scored nine, but okay. What do you mean nine? Nine. They had nine. I thought it was like 31-9. When did they did score a touchdown? Did you watch the end of the game? Oh, they no didn't one... score a touchdown. It was three field goals. Oh, they were kicking field goals the whole time? Yeah. Travis Kelsey, uh, um, what's it, Tyreek Hill and all of them couldn't uh, score? Apparently not. What would you think? What would you say due to that game Like, was the main cause of the Bucks winning and the Chiefs losing? The Chiefs O-line. You really thought it, 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 it was a little played a huge effect on it? Your starting left tackle was out. Eric oh, Fisher, who had an Achilles tear. Oh, excuse me, rupture. I heard. Yeah, serious stuff. I think he may be out for next year too. Yeah, I mean that's not a, that's not an easy injury to return from, at all. What is the usual time span? Six months or, or for nine? Achilles? Yeah. Well, shit. I think nine, right? Uh, at minimum, Six, yeah. might be even twelve. But it depends on where you go and your rehab. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I also believe, think it depends on the sport itself too. How, how physical? I mean, uh, demand, how physically demanding it is. Kobe Bryant came back. Um, or less than 12? I mean, I could be off. I mean, the amount of... Uh, well, here's the thing, too. The amount of research I don't do for these questions is uh, pretty... Well, that's why we're doing this podcast, just to shoot the, you know what, S-H-I-T. Um, I already said it once. I, you didn't pick it up on it. Oh, shoot the shit. There you go. Uh, that being said, I just feel like for Fisher, I mean, he has to be early 30s. Um, you know, he's a left tackle. He has some weight. He's a 300-pound-plus man, you know. This, the way it's interesting, because um, when I was training some of the NFL guys, uh, Matt Pert being one of them who plays on the Giants as a, a right-to-left tackle, he rotates both sides. I was looking at their stances. Like, offensive linemen, like, especially tackles, like, their ankles, I, I'm surprised they don't get surgery by the time their careers are done. Well, think about how many of them play in, like, braces, and they're wrapped all the way up. Like, oh, my gosh. It's like, again... But from a long body, their body becomes so dependent on those knee braces, ankle braces, or, or or the tape jobs that the trainers give them. Which I mean, I mean, you can go you can go a million different ways with that, I guess. But in a perfect world, you wouldn't want any of that. No, of course. But I I think about it. I'm always a type of person to think about like the uh, long term effects of it, um, whether or not that you know that can cause them to get surgery or having some sort of, uh, you know, uh, incapabilities of how they walk something. I don't know. Uh, I'm just thinking about it. I mean, I believe like the way it looks like their ankles are completely inverted half the time when they're in like that type of, uh, you know, I don't know if it's a three point stance or what have you, but, and all, you know, whether they're doing like a pass or run play, it's just, it's insane, uh, to see how their ankles are. And I'm like, that's, I, I'm completely shocked. Now, for Fisher, too, I believe it was his left Achilles that ruptured, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I'm not Which I'm is not a huge one because sure. that's his pivoting foot, too. So now think about like any type of pass protection that he has to do, and he has to put a lot of weight on that outside foot as he chops or, you know, I think the term is called chopping. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know if he hangs it up or if he tries to come back after this. It's, it's a huge uh, what-if type of, you know, I don't know. What do you think? Uh, again, I mean, it's really dependent on who who he's going to be working with. The doctors, the 
surgery. I'm obviously I'm going to assume the surgery is going to be successful. Absolutely. I'm assuming he also already had the surgery. I heard that like NFL insurance, like you know when you work for an NFL team, like you have crazy medical insurance. I'm sure. Like You're top professional line. athlete, you kind of I guess you know you have to. Probably, could you imagine if they like didn't have medical insurance, the amount of bills they would accumulate over time? Well, yeah, that and as as a team, as a professional organization who's paying these athletes millions of dollars, you have to provide that athlete with the insurance. Because, you know, how, how would it be like you're paying an athlete a million dollars or whatever, they get hurt, they get injured, they have no medical insurance, and it's like, but you still have to pay this guy. So it's like you, you have to provide them that because you're protecting yeah, your investment. You're of course. protecting your investment. But, you know, it's crazy. It's like, yeah, you're protecting your, like, long-term investment. You're good. Um but at the same time, too, it's like how we always talk about it, how it's like an ongoing uh, – are you fixing my mic right now? Thanks. Uh, it's an ongoing thing in the NFL. It's the next man up, you know? As much yeah. as like, you know – It's a scary – it's a scary position. How, how crazy is that? Like, I kind of feel – I mean, obviously, yeah. there's not as much money on the line with our job and what we're doing, right? We're not making – it's all relative, too, at the end of the day. Well, it's what, what you, you bring in to the table. Yeah, but my, my, what I'm trying to say is – if we get hurt or injure ourselves, God forbid, you or I tear our ACL, whatever, to the point where we can't like perform, it's the same for us. We can't really coach the same. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if it's all of a sudden, you know, we're 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 in a boot, we're on crutches for the next couple of months, we can't do our job. Yeah. So it's like that's scary, man. Like that's I can't imagine what it must feel like at that level too. Well, especially at that level where it's like I, I believe that for us, when we get back, we'll still have our jobs. Whereas certain NFL players, like once they're done, like if they if the next next man is up, it's like next man is up. We don't wait for no. And look who decided to join us, twelve oh seven on the dot, ladies and gentlemen, Coach Joe Sandberg's in the house. Can we get a woot woot, woot woot. Thank you, Coach. Appreciate <laughs> that. It's okay. Yeah, Mike's on and everything. We were just uh, shooting the shit, talking about the Super Bowl. What'd you think? Did you watch it? Or are you taking care of the kids? Uh, yeah, I watched it. I had uh, spurts where I had to put the kids down, but yeah. I thought the uh, Buccaneers played a little more inspired. I was going to say, being a yeah. former athlete yourself, a former uh, high school and college athlete, um, yeah, let's just get a little closer to the mic. Um, you know, does it, uh, I was talking about, it was funny, I was talking about it with Matt Sims, and um, I was asking him, did you like sort of like analyze the game at all, like break it down like in your own head, not mind you, Matt played in the NFL and everything. And he was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Did you, do you, whenever you watch a game, do you ever think like, man, I wish I was like there type of setting or not really? Uh, you know, I'm not really into football like Matt Sims is. I played it. I loved playing it. Yeah. But I was never really an X and O's guy, so I just kind of watch it to enjoy it. And, um, you know, you, you think about situations where, you know what, you know, Oh, they should have given the ball to Fournette on the one-yard line on fourth and one. But, like, little things like that, yeah, I think of, but I don't analyze it like, you know, someone, like someone of his yeah. stature, yeah. For sure. I think that probably makes it more enjoyable to watch the game that way, though, without having to analyze it. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, he must fan. watch it, and he's like a scientist. He's picking out defenses in, you know, cover two, cover three, all this. I, I, don't, I don't get into that. I just try and enjoy it while I can. I have ten minutes to enjoy it. I enjoy it. <laughs> I was going to say, when you play the game, though, were you ever – you just, you know, you did your job type of thing? Or was it like you were like, film this, practice that? Like, you know how some guys are yeah. like, they're in it for the long run. And, you know, you know other guys are like, yeah, you know, I play the sport, you know, I do my It's funny. Um, I was a point guard in basketball. And as a point guard, you really have to think the game. 
But as a running back, it's really just understanding your read. Yeah. So your read is, you know, you look, read the D tackle, and if he goes one way, you're cutting off the other way. So that was the biggest difference in coaching football versus basketball. Is I was not an X's and O's guy. You know, I, I couldn't really get into the, you know, dissecting a defense or dissecting coverages, whereas basketball, as a point guard, you kind of think like the quarterback. Mm -hmm. And that, that was the biggest difference. You know, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't passionate about understanding you know, cover three or Tampa two or all this, yep, yep, all these yeah. defenses. It's more or less like, I guess, in the moment, like obviously you yeah. have that passion, but it's not like, mm. you know, you started breaking down film to the team. Yeah, no. I, guys. I, now, you mentioned basketball. First love, second love, is it football or is it basketball? When I, growing up, it was always whatever I was playing. Uh, you know, hindsight 2020, I, I probably would have played basketball just because of the rigors that football does to your body mm. and the opportunity to keep playing places. But, uh, you know, I love them equally growing up. You know, the thing about football that, you know, makes it such a, a great sport is there's so limited opportunity. So you get those 11, 12 games and it's, you know, it's a lot of fun to play and it's, you know, it, it's great. You know, basketball, you can play for, you know, 40, 50 years in men's leagues and all this, there's always an opportunity to play. Football, there's only a certain amount of opportunity. Yeah, it's only like yeah. a certain, what's it, they call it, uh, shelf, shelf life or something like that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, something like that. So obviously now you coach it. Mm -hmm. um, how, many, how, many state, uh, how, how many years have you been coaching and how many state titles have you won so far? This is my ninth year. Uh, we've won two sectional titles. Two sectional titles at Rampo High School, mm -hmm. correct? Mm -hmm. How's that been? How's the whole, you know, playing the sport, you obviously played very successful in high school. Uh, played a little bit, I think, one year in college, like sort yeah, of, yeah. you know, back mm -hmm. and forth with basketball and football. And then been coaching at Bergen, now at Ramapo. How's that whole transition from playing to now coaching it been for you? It's been a great experience. I, I mean, to see kids compete and buy into what you teach is very rewarding. You know, obviously sure. it's different than playing, but it's still an outlet. Um, you know, when you take a team like we're supposed to play Bergen Catholic tonight and talent-wise on paper, we should lose by 40 points. But when you get a group of kids to buy in and compete to a higher level, you know, it, it's, pretty, it's pretty rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And especially, I think, in your scenario where it's you play, you, excuse me, you coach at a public school mm -hmm. where it's, you really don't choose mm -hmm. what players you want, mm -hmm. like some parochial schools where you sort of have the whole, you know, I guess, recruiting yeah. or, you know, scouting process. How is it, like, do you feel that it's even more challenging being in that setting than versus, like, say, if you are at, like, a parochial school like Bergen, Bosco, Joe's? The parochial schools have become kind of like a Division four college now. You, sure. you look at it like just a step below college because you have to, you know, it's 12 months a year. You have to find the best players and you have to convince them to go to your school. You know, the, the yeah. glory of my job is I only get to coach what, what comes to me, you know, and, you know, it, you take what you get and you try and make the best team that you possibly can. Uh, and, you know, we've been pretty fortunate to to develop a culture there where kids love to compete. They love to play hard. And, you know, they know they might not be the most talented guy, but if you play hard and you're tough, you have an opportunity to play and win, you know, for us. Yeah, absolutely. Now, that's interesting just because um, I always think about it like when it comes to like, I guess, you know, you're comparing the public to not parochial schools and everything.
I'm always wondering whether the pressure is more on the coaches that really don't have, let's just say, quote unquote, the, the mm. talent like these mm -hmm. parochial schools do. Or is it more on those coaches that are in the parochial school where, hey, you're given the talent, mm -hmm. you know, such as let's compare to college, like a John Calpari mm -hmm. has all these, you know, freshmen coming all the mm -hmm. time and they're always ranked. Um, do you think there's more pressure on those type of coaches or is it, is it pretty much even across the playing field, no matter what? You know, I think in the, in the bigger schools, yeah, there's definitely pressure to, to win, you know, you know, Don Bosco or Bergen or St. Joe's um, in a public school you pretty much know going in if you're expected to win the game or not, and that puts pressure on you. Like three years ago, I think we lost to Demarest by one in the sectional final, and uh, that was probably the most pressure I ever felt because yeah. I knew we were supposed to win. Whereas when you know you're supposed to win, it's just like it's a different animal. <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, winning. Let's, yeah. let's talk about that a little bit. How competitive are you? I don't like to lose, and my kids know this, and – I've I've always been like this. I I've, I used, I lost games growing up, and I would lock myself in my room. You know, I lost the county championship. I believe it was my junior year in high school, and I drove into New York City the next morning and worked out at 5 a.m. because I was so upset that we lost. That's and nice. I, I think um, I think that's kind of what today's generation has kind of lost. Mm. That competitive drive, you think? There's so much. There's so many other distractions. There's so many other distractions, and you know, they're, winning is not as important to them because they could just go home, they can go play another game somewhere else, and you know. It, but growing up, you know, I was that's all I wanted to do. <laughs> Let's talk about that a little bit. Obviously, for for people that don't know, this is uh, Joe Sandberg with us right now. You had a pretty remarkable career in high school as a two-sport athlete forgive me if i'm yeah. wrong two-sport mm -hmm. athlete basketball and football i wasn't sure if you did you ever play baseball i didn't i grew up playing baseball but i stopped in high school got it so basketball and baseball pretty uh stellar career at bergen catholic just talk about maybe talk about your time at bergen and then how as an athlete at that time is a little different as an athlete today like the you know what we kind of talked about you saying the parochial schools was like a division four yeah was it kind of looked at like that a little bit too when you were there I think there was more balance in the public schools, whereas, you know, you had, it wasn't as, you know, okay, I think once they went to this national schedule for football, things really changed, for sure. whereas, you know, the top players are now going to go and they want to play on ESPN, they want to go to California, they want to go to Texas, which is great, but now you're seeing kind of a diluted public schools. I mean, there's still good public school football, don't get me wrong, but, you know, when we played, the public schools could beat the Catholic schools. Yeah. Now it's very rare that you find a public school that's going to beat a Catholic school. And um, I don't even think you see really public schools playing parochial schools anymore, to be honest. I mean, it, the public school, especially in football, has become such a, you know, it, it's one of the top leagues in America, just, you know, as far as talent goes. And, and you... You could just see that the, the players that are playing, they're just, they look like men. They look like they're ready for college football. For sure. Yeah, and like going back to when you played, like obviously being, being that two-division two athlete, did you ever think, hey, it would be nice to go outside, you know, and try to test myself against these other top-end, you know, players in the country, whether it be uh, well, it, football it, or it, basketball? It, 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 yeah, the thing about when I grew up, um, basketball, we played against everybody. I mean, whether it was in high school, we played in, in big tournaments. 
or AAU was a little different, and there was a thing called the ABCD camp, which I went to. So, you know, we saw everybody, and you know, LeBron James was my year. He was at camp, and like, I grew up seeing these guys at tournaments and, and playing high level against them. Uh, Football-wise, it was a little different because you didn't have all these, you know, showcase events. So, yeah. you played who was on your schedule. But for instance, like we played Teaneck, and that's probably like the hardest game I ever got hit playing running back. There was a guy by the name of Tamba Ali playing defensive tackle. He played for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he might be the best player I ever played against, hmm. you know, him and Brian Toll. But, you know, that was a public school team, for example. Yeah. And, you know, there wasn't, you know, the Brick City Lions and all this growing up. You played for your town, you competed in your town league, and then you went to high school. Now it's like there's so many opportunities for kids to just go outside and compete against the best. Yeah. What AAU team did you play for in high school? Uh, I grew up playing for the Gauchos in New York City, and okay. then I, uh, I switched over my sophomore year of high school to the players. Mm-hmm. Um, I played with J.R. Smith. Who, Woo! So, you know, he's one of the names, but there were seven of us on the team. Uh, six of us went to high-level Division One programs, and I went to play football, obviously. Yeah. Do you ever go back and think, like, Maybe I should have tried basketball or? I, you know, you think about it, but I had such a good experience at UPenn. Uh, I made a lot of great friends. I played a lot of football. So, you know, I really can't complain about that. You know, the biggest toll was just you, you take a beating. <laughs> now, t- speaking of like, taking a beating, obviously us talking, you know, uh, getting to know each other pr- uh, prior to doing this podcast, but you've had your fair share of injuries mm-hmm. throughout your career. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say? was probably like the hardest thing having to deal with those uh, whether it be having to deal with those injuries the recovery you a little closer. thank you or like and then on top of that what would you say was would you suggest other athletes going to you know into their future whether it be high school or college like what would you suggest to them just so that you know they themselves don't end up you know being crippled yeah my injuries were kind of I had three shoulder surgeries, and I, I tore my meniscus to end my career. The shoulder surgeries and the shoulder injuries, I really didn't know until the off-seasons. So I would get back into workouts, and I'd try and bench press, and all of a sudden, you know, I can't lift 90 pounds because I have a torn labrum in my shoulder. Hmm. Um, the one thing I would tell athletes is, you know, is to kind of balance your workouts you know don't just you know dedicate you know six months to just pounding heavy weights you know have balance in everything you do and you know I think it, it'll help you in the long run you know injuries happen in sports there's, there's no doubt about it you just want to do the most you can to prevent them I, I you know I don't know if my shoulder injuries were preventable or not I don't know if my knee was preventable or not but you know as an athlete you want to do you know, the most you can to, you know, be able to, you know, succeed. At, uh, when you were at Bergen, mm-hmm. um, you guys trained here at Parisi? I trained here. Um, we A lot of the training was done at school. Okay. But, um, yeah, I trained here um, in high school. What would you say the, the mind state was at that time in high school? Was it like, you know, hit heavy weights? Was it, what was the mind state back then? Not that it was that long ago either. I'm not yeah. trying to age you. But. <laughs> it was long ago. Um... <laughs> 
I think speed was just really becoming a big thing. Obviously, now speed is is huge, mm-hmm. and, and the game is just so fast, and everything you do, it, you know, it's not about being big and bulky anymore. So that was becoming a, a real emphasis. Um, they always talked to me about getting stronger and getting bigger because I was so lean because I, I played 97 basketball games, and then I would just go play football, yeah. you know. Um you know, change. I don't think it's really changed much as far as the, the the movements. I mean, the movements haven't changed. But you know, when Parisi first opened is when I when I started. So you know, there was a huge emphasis on just speed and lateral and lateral movements. And who were the coaches back then? You remember? My coach here was Joe DeFranco. Okay. So obviously he went on and started his own gym and has been very successful. Um, you know, I've worked with numerous people throughout my career. Uh, it just things have come full circle, and now I, I find myself and my team working out here. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, what would you say then throughout your career you were your most quote unquote healthiest, like going into a season or you know, off season training or what, what have you? The crazy thing is, I never got injured in high school or college. You know, I may have missed one game with a hamstring. Um, college, I didn't miss any games until my senior year. You know, I had surgeries, but I was always able to play. Um, the one thing I couldn't fight through was the meniscus. And, yeah. you know, it, I, don't, it didn't, I don't even remember hurting it. I just remember going to play Harvard, and uh, it would just lock up on me, hmm. and I couldn't play anymore. <laughs> you know, and that was, that was the end of it. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting to see how you sort of full circle your now your career has become you know going back to your high school days and college days and everything is there any point point of it that you like miss like like oh if i can go back a little bit you know i wish i could have done this differently or gone this route or anything like that or you sort of like yeah you said everything's gone full circle like you sort of like the path that you've taken i think i like the path that i've taken obviously you know training wise going into my senior year of college i wouldn't have bulked up the way I did I would have stayed kind of at the weight I was at and gotten really great shape yeah you know I put a lot of emphasis on getting bigger going into my senior year just because I was taking such a pounding and, and you know I was I was as strong as it's ever been but was I was I was about 215 217 when I went to camp but uh I, I just I don't think my body was able to to play at that weight you know, I pulled my hamstring the first week of the season. You know, I just wish I put more emphasis on conditioning and just that aspect of things. But other than that, you know, there's really nothing I look back and, and would change. Um, you know, I enjoyed playing both sports, and I, you know, I wish people still emphasized playing both like multiple sports, sports yeah. yeah rather sure. than specializing early yeah. on mm-hmm. yeah because yeah. what did they say the burnout burnout method right yeah so yep. you play one sport for your entire career so you're going to end up sort of hating it yeah. at one point in time i mean i don't well, know if I, I don't know if a lot of that you know comes from parents or coaches now where they think that you know if i spend six to eight years focusing my son on one sport then it's going to take care of college whereas you know when i was growing up there was never you know, I was never put in a position to miss one sport because of the other. Mm. You know, now it's like crazy. You know, even coaching, parents will ask me, you know, 
do you put any pressure on your kids over the summer? I'm like, no, your kid can do whatever he wants. You know, he may get pressure elsewhere, but, you know, I, I hope he does what he wants to do. Yeah. Does yeah. it ever frustrate you a little bit as a basketball coach at Rampo if other kids can't make it to any of mm-hmm. our workouts here or any mm-hmm. shoot-arounds or anything because he's involved in another sport? You know, early in my career, I, I got really frustrated because, you know, I was like, man, these, these kids aren't, you know, dedicated to what we're doing. But then, you know, you, you think about it, you know, I've had one Division One college basketball in nine years, and he was seven feet one. Um, Big shout out to Neil. I had a, a couple D3 players, but other than that, like, everyone plays other sports. So if I'm going to get bent out of shape for guys missing, but they have an opportunity to play another sport, like, who am I? (laughs) At least they're doing something. I had Casey Hunt, who was a SEC baseball player and never came to one workout, but he showed up and competed, you know, as hard as he could and took us all the way to Rutgers. So, you know, I can't really get mad at somebody who knows the route he's going to go. I yeah. just appreciate that he plays both sports. Let's keep it on uh, Rampo a little bit, because, and you kind of alluded to it before in terms of you groom your team. They might not be the most talented team on the floor all the time, but you groom them to compete, and mm-hmm. like the culture is different. And me working with Rampo and then other some of the procure schools I work with, I've kind of felt the same way. There's, being Rampo tough is just different. Yeah, that's kind of something we instilled uh, the day one when I got the job. Uh, and obviously, you know, you got the coaches here and Coach Rich uh, helped us kind of develop that mentality. Whereas, you know, we're not the most talented team, all right, but coming here and developing a, a mentality, whereas, you know, we're never going to quit. We're never going to back down. Uh, things may get hard, but we've already done some of the hardest things we're going to do. Uh, so there's nothing that we haven't seen. And uh, I think it's been very valuable to our program to develop that because we, we have won games that we shouldn't have won. We've went places and beat teams that are way more talented than we are, but we've developed this culture where, you know, we're just going to show up and we're going to outwork you. Mm-hmm. And that's a large part of what we do in practice and also what we do here in the offseason. What do you kind of do when – let's say whether it's preseason, in-season, or you're in the playoffs or whatever mm-hmm. it is, you see a kid that, you know, he's been pushing all year, but he's starting to kind of get maybe burnt out mentally. His mm-hmm. body's fine, but just mm-hmm. mentally, just through all the workouts he did, he with myself, Coach Rich, mm-hmm. and practices, things like that. What what would your method kind of be of, like, bringing that kid back to life, re-motivating him to kind of continue through and fight through that, you know, long journey? It's That's a good question because – Honestly, we we haven't had that. Um, You know, we've seen kids get tired. Um, You know, Max Pernetti last year, he got really fatigued at the end of the year. You know, he he got sick. But they all have developed, by the time they're a senior, a foundation where they know that they could push through it. Hmm. And, you know, at the end of the year, every team is hurt. Every team feels tired. And, you know, if you have a foundation, then you know you can, you, can, you can battle through it. And, you know, obviously as a coach you have to be smart and you have to, you know, st- take a step back and practice and not maybe not go as hard or maybe, you know, give them an hour of shooting and, you know, something fun to do 
just to make things kind of a little different. But, you know, I've never had really a kid just mentally check out at the end of the year. You know, our kids are so competitive that, you know, once you get to the state tournament and a county tournament, you know, they, they want to win. Yeah, just kind of re-ups yeah. at that time. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that that's awesome. Um, now, you're a competitor. We kind of talked about that mm-hmm. before. Like, you just like to compete. You want to mm-hmm. win. You mm-hmm. hate losing. Which feels, it's probably an impossible question to answer, but which, and I'm sure it's different, but which feels better, winning as a coach, winning as a player? That's a tough one. Yeah, it's a good question. I don't think there's like a real answer to it. That's a good question. Uh, (laughs) um, You know, you, you, as a player, obviously you can control, you know, you play well, your team plays well, and and you win, and there's there's nothing like that, but... As a coach, to see guys buy into what you do and succeed and win, I mean, it's, it's a great feeling. I mean, it's, it's two different things, and I can't really say one is better than the other because obviously when I, we won the sectional championship, it was, it was awesome. It was, a great, it was a great feeling. And, you know, we did the same thing in high school, and it was an awesome feeling. It's just it's totally different. You know, you're you're kind of living vicariously through your team. Yeah. And whereas as a player, you, you know, you get out to you get to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say, does it like ever hit you? Because obviously you won counties uh, and I believe states. Correct mm-hmm. me if I'm wrong. When you when you played in high school mm-hmm. and then now coaching it, like seeing your growth as a player, being a successful player, uh, and then obviously now being a successful coach at a you know at a public school is it sort of like wow like damn i'm pretty good at this i don't i don't really think of it like that i mean we obviously we've won a lot but i i've been blessed with a lot of talented kids that played with me and also played for me yeah um you know yeah obviously i i look back and i'm like wow you know it would suck to be on the other end of this a lot of times you know yeah 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 absolutely I got some more, um, I'm sure, probably hard, tough, impossible questions to really give a true answer to. But being a two, we'll start at uh, Bergen Catholic. We'll start mm-hmm. at the high school level. What's your fondest memory on the football field and your fondest memory on the basketball court? On the football field, obviously, it was winning the state title in my junior year versus Del Barton at Rutgers. Um, that, that was our ultimate goal. Uh, the year before that, we were four and six. Going into that season, I had never lost a football game. So we had six straight losses, and that, that was just, like, devastating to me. So to come back the next year and win uh, was great. You know, my senior year is probably maybe my second memory of losing the state finals to my best friend at the time, to Don Bosco on our home field to end my career. Um, as far as basketball goes, you know, we had a lot of – Great moments in basketball. Uh, we went to the TOC my junior year. Um, that's probably, and then we won county three times. Who, who was on that times. team your junior year? Uh, Sean Banks is the notable name. Uh, we had a lot of good players. We had four kids go Division One. Dang. Uh, Miles Orman went to Maris. Adrian Joseph went to Virginia. Dan Gentile <laughs> went to Colgate, mm. and then Sean went to Memphis. So mm. I mean, we were we were really good, mm. and you know we went and we played a lot of good games, but. Obviously, going to TOC would probably be the best memory. And losing, you know, we lost to St. Anthony's 
It was but, a powerhouse in and of itself, too. It mm-hmm. was on St. Anthony's at that time. St. Anthony's had three Division One guards, uh, Elijah Ingram, uh, Donald Copeland, and Dwayne Lee. They went to St. John's, Seton Hall, and St. Joseph's. And then they had a big guy to go to Syracuse, so they were pretty stacked. Yeah, it was it was a good experience. But that that, that level of competition's got to be awesome just to yeah. be a part of that. Mm-hmm. So I also think it's all it's good to see like you know playing that type of level of competition because you really get to test your own skills and abilities. Like who's really like the top dog? In- and also just skills and abilities, your mentality too. Absolutely. Because like how many times you know. Stepping on the court with some of these other teams, even as a coach now, when you see the other team might be, you know, you had Neil, so you're blessed to have yeah, Neil, who was seven yeah, one. Yeah. But when you have this other team that's got like two seven footers and big guards, and you know your tallest guy is five six, which a lot of the times happens when these smaller public schools, Rampart is a little bit bigger of a public school, but smaller public schools run into that all the time. Yeah, where you got you know the tallest kid on their team's five eight, mm-hmm. the average height in the other team six three. As a coach, how do you prep your team for that? And then as a as an athlete, as a player, how do you kind of like still attack it the same way without the intimidation? Well, I think that it just comes back to the to the foundation we've built. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're tough, all right, and you are in great shape, it'll take care of itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you know, you just got to battle. That's what it comes down to. And you know, when I was growing up, we played for the Gauchos and. We play. We played with five guards. So we were. We played a team called the Atlantic Celtics. They had Dwight Howard and Josh Smith. <laughs> Dwight Howard was six eleven. Josh Smith was six foot seven. We were all five ten. And our coach basically told us, "I don't care how big they are. Play your game." Yeah. You know, tonight we play. Are supposed to play Bergen Catholic. They have six nine. They have three high level Division one guards. I told my kids, I don't care. I don't yeah. care who they have. Yeah. We're going to go play. We're going to compete. And you know what? If they are better than us, so be it. But we're still going to show up and compete. You know, there's, there's certain instances in life where, you know what, the other team may just be better and more talented than you. But there's no excuse for not playing hard Absolutely. and not competing. Yep. And that, that's kind of what we emphasize, you know. 610 611 it doesn't matter just go play just yeah. compete you know if he, if if it just happens to be where he's that much better than us all right mm-hmm. we move on <laughs> yeah, he puts his pants on one leg at a time just like anybody else that's For it sure you know um now going on to to you pam what would your fondest memory be from your collegiate career UPenn would probably be my first start uh I transferred out of UPenn my freshman year. I went to Rutgers for one semester. Um, I went back. I wasn't sure if I was going to be eligible uh, for transfer reasons. And uh, the guy ahead of me got hurt. And we were playing Villanova. And I think I had like 270 all-purpose yards that game. And it was the first time I really played since high school. Mm. So, I mean, it's obviously a game I'll always remember. But... Uh, other than that, it's just playing every week with a great group of guys, and that, that was kind of what I remember from my, my career. And yeah. you know, some guys I still talk to, to today. Yeah, that's awesome. And then in terms of on, on the on the coaching level, state sectionals aside, because I think that's a no-brainer answer. Mm-hmm. What would your fondest memory be as a coach? If you take away the state sectionals, um, I would say probably beating Don Bosco. Um, I think it was three or four years ago. We had uh, 
Joe Hagan, Keith Wetzel, uh, Ryan Curtis, a bunch of football players. Mm. And uh, we were the number one seed in the county that year. So we beat Don Bosco and then we beat St. Joe's on the next night. And it kind of put us on the map as a program. And, you know, if anyone saw those guys play, we had one basketball player, really, Matt Lacka, and we just, we were so relentless and so tough. And uh, it kind of propelled us into who we are today. Yeah. Is that what sort of started, like, the whole, like, Poe Tough type of, you know? No. I, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I think that's a football thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I didn't know if it was a basketball or football. Uh, I don't know. I mean, anytime I'm with the team, I usually end everything, end every breakdown with, like, you know, nobody's Rampo Tough. Yeah. yeah. That's know? what it's Rampo Tough. Well, maybe Danny got it. Tough. Yeah. You know? Well, it's funny because, like, you, you uh, as a coach, and even as a player, have like that "quote unquote" tough guy mentality, or like plays the tough player. Where do you think you've developed that from? Like, was it from another coach, or just you sort of just embody that yourself? You know, to be honest with you, growing up, I played for Coach Greg Toll. He was my our our our, our basketball coach from third to eighth grade. And you no, know, it's funny. Growing up, no one considered me tough because I was, you know, as really a I don't know want to call it a finesse running back, but I was I wasn't like a, a hard nose like I'm gonna gap, barrel out four yards a clip. But uh Coach Toll kinda instilled this toughness in, in all of us growing up that, you know, I didn't really understand or appreciate it until I probably be started coaching. Mm. And uh you know that that's really where where it came from. And you know, obviously you guys know my father a little bit. I mean, he, he's probably the hardest working guy I know. For sure. So if it, you you have two guys like that in your life, once it clicks, you kind of you, you see it. You know, I, I wish I kind of saw it earlier. Whereas you know, maybe I could have done a little more in college or you know pushed myself a little harder. You know, because I was always I was always pretty talented. You know, not trying to be, you know to my own horn or anything but I, I had talent I just needed to be pushed a little more mm. and coach told kind of did that so looking back I, I would say he's probably been my biggest influence as a coach as well as uh, Nunzio Campanelli who is now at Rutgers yeah. he kind of had that same mentality when I when I worked with him so at that time what what made you go to Bergen I was supposed to go to Seton Hall prep to play basketball um, my neighbor down the street uh, was going to Bergen, so, and Brian Toll was getting held back, and it was Coach Toll's first year at Bosco. So at the time, like Bosco w wasn't really established or anything special. Um, Seton Hall prep turned out to be a little bit too far of a ride, and I didn't really get comfortable there. So the week before school started. Uh, my neighbor's like, yeah, just come check out Bergen. So the day I checked out Bergen, uh, Sean Banks was there as well looking. And we both you know, looked at each other and were like, let's do this. So it was really a basketball decision. Bergen just happened to be the top dog in football at the time. time yeah. And uh, that's how it happened. Where was Coach Toll before uh, he went to? Uh, he was at Hackensack. Uh, yeah, I forgot Hackensack was like legit back then. Mm -hmm. Do you ever like think, because like, Brian Toll being one of your good friends, mm -hmm. like, it would have been nice maybe to have gone, played with him. And with, with if I knew I was going to play football, I mean, obviously I, I would have thought things out differently. I had a great experience at Bergen Catholic. Uh, I, I 
played with some great players. I played with great coaches. Uh, I was still a basketball mindset guy, though, you know, and um, it may have made my decision a little different. But at the same time, I, I you know, I can't really say uh, anything negatively about my high school experience. No, that's good, at least. You sort of, you want to say something? That's a good talk. Um, my last question. So, who would you think, I don't know if I, like, maybe I've asked this already, but, like, is there any coach or person that you consider as, like, an, someone that's influenced you to who you are today as, you know, there's a person that you are or as a coach or, you know, even when you were an athlete back in the day? I would say those three people I just mentioned. You know, yeah. obviously Coach Toll, uh, Coach Nunzio Campanelli. I had an opportunity to work with him before I, I got a head coaching job at Rampo, and obviously uh, my father. Uh, those three people have kind of shaped me into who I am today. Um, you know, I'm not a man of many words. I don't kind of talk that much, but um, you know, I, I think I, you know, work hard and. You know, I have good family values, and that's really what it comes down to. Any uh, advice you would give to any uh, future athletes, you know, beginning their, uh, I don't know, what would you say, youth, high school, college career? What, you know, um, you know I, I, a mother asked me this the other day, you know, what advice would you give my son going for? I would just say enjoy it. I mean, 99% of high school athletes don't go on to college to play, right? I don't know what the exact number is, but it's not a good number. Yeah. So play as much as you can, play as many sports as you can and enjoy it um, because, you know, it, there's, there's a certain window in, in, in your life where you have this opportunity to compete with people and play and meet people. And, you know, that, that's the biggest advice that I can give people is play, you know, go play and go enjoy it. And, you know, put – your best foot forward, work as hard as you can, and, you know, have fun with it. I think that's huge. I think that's great advice. It's amazing. Honest, dude. I'm going to use that in the video. And frame that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> <laughs> no, use that what you just said right there. And I was been recording. You notice? Oh, nice. <laughs> so disinterested. <laughs> um, wait, I had one more last question. Right. I just said it. that was my last question. I know you have two young boys. Mm -hmm. Planning on coaching them in your future? Whatever they want to do. I, if they want to play, they play. If they want to work for the family business, what, I mean, I'm going to support whatever they do. Awesome. Um, I would obviously love to coach them. Um, but I'm, I'm not going to – I've been in coaching at a public school long enough to, to kind of realize who I want to be as a father and who I don't want to be as a father. Mm. And I'm, I'm thankful that I've had that experience. And, you know, I, I just want to let my kids kind of be themselves and take whatever path they want to take. I'm trying to live vicariously through them type of thing. No, like parents are nowadays. no that's, that's not going to happen. You know, I, I was my own person. I was my own player. And I'm going to, you know, if, if one of my sons turns out to be a great athlete, then God bless. But it's going to be because he wants to be, not because dad wants him to be. You know what I mean? That's huge. Off That's like that. huge. Yeah, I think that I think we could end it. I, that I one. told him it was gonna be thirty minutes. I ended up being forty-four minutes. <laughs> you already don't ever listen to this guy, right? No, I don't listen to him. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad enough when I walk upstairs and he's on the phone with my wife. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> That's like a handful of times, okay? Just yeah. so people have Adam trains his wife. So yeah, Adam so Sandberg. Know. <laughs> it's fine. But, um, <laughs> we'll we'll edit that out. Thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate the talk. No, I appreciate, appreciate you guys. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thank you.